Welcome to Clearly Quaker, an ongoing series of podcasts by Salem Quarterly Meeting, part of the Religious Society of Friends. Salem Quarterly Meeting is an association of seven Southern New Jersey Quaker meetings within Philadelphia Yearly Meeting. In this episode, Quakers Penny Watson, Jeannie Doremus, and Shoshana Osofsky represented the American Promise at Salem Quarterly Meeting's June 2018 meeting. They spoke about a proposed 28th Amendment, the need to get money out of politics, why Quakers should be involved, and some minor friction with Friends Committee on national legislation on this issue. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greenwich Friends. I'm Jean Doremus, husband Bird, presenters uh, Penny Watson, Shoshana Osafsi, and we are members of uh, Greenwich Friends. We're delighted to be speaking with you because we think you're going to be friendly to our topic. Um, I wondered how many of you feel that there's way too much money spent in our election process in the United States. I'm getting, yeah. Well, you're not alone. I think most Americans feel that way. And that is the topic that we're going to be addressing today. Um, in 2010, the United States Supreme Court made a decision five to four that in effect overthrew our campaign regulation spending laws in the United States. And that has resulted in gross amounts of money being spent to um, influence our elections. As a matter of fact, you might be astonished to know that in the 2016 combined presidential congressional election, $6.5 billion were spent. It's, uh, it's really gotten, uh, and of course, when that money is spent, it's not only spent on the candidates, but it's also spent on whatever the agenda is of the people who are uh, spending so much money. We represent Allied for the American Promise, uh, which is an affiliate of American Promise, and this is a national group representing all manners of political persuasions and their goal is passage of a 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which would, in effect, overthrow the Citizens United decision and guarantee that people, not big money, not corporations, not unions, not special interests, govern America. So I'm going to ask um, Shoshana to uh, continue. Thank you. Thank you, Jean. Thank you, friends, for um, engaging in this conversation about our um, system of government. And most of you don't know me, so let's do a little thought experiment. Notice any feelings you might have about me, positive, negative, neutral. Okay. Now, imagine I give you a $20 gift certificate to the Salem Diner. How do you feel about me now? Maybe it changes, maybe it didn't. But say I give you two tickets to see Hamilton on Broadway. Do you like me any better now? 
So if you do, if you notice any change in how you feel about me, keep that in mind this morning. So as Jean said, Citizens United versus FEC is a 2010 decision um, of, of the Supreme Court that removed some earlier legal limits on campaign spending. The Supreme Court determined that unions, corporations, and other special interests are entitled to First Amendment rights as persons. The Supreme Court concluded that the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002, you might also know of it as McCain-Feingold, after Senator John McCain, the Republican of Arizona, and um, Russ Feingold from Wisconsin, Democrat. So the, that was, BICRA the, was passed in 2002 because back at that time there were, people thought that there was too much money coming into our system and they wanted to regulate it. So it's, it's very easy to get lost in the details of campaign finance. It's complicated. So let's get some definitions out of the way and we'll also try and keep it simple. So political action committee, that, those have been in existence for a long time. I don't know how long, but certainly before, um, before 2002. And that was the way, how, how business was done. Um, they can be <clears throat> set up by a business, a union, or a person. Um, money can be used for or against a candidate or an issue. And the PAC fund is, is a dedicated fund. Money cannot come out of the general treasury. So if you give to a PAC, you know you're giving to a PAC. You're not paying your union dues or you're not contributing to a, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, a social welfare organization or something like that. Donation amounts and sources are transparent. Now, super PACs. They're technically, technically known as independent expenditure-only committees, and they are a, a direct result of the Supreme Court decision. So they're relatively new animals. Unlimited money can be given by um, individuals or groups, and money can come from, from corporate or union treasuries. So if you pay your union dues, or you um, are a member of a business association, money, or even a corporation, money can come from these entities and you as an individual of that organization has no say in, um, in, in that expenditure. Um, the groups must be registered with the FEC. Money cannot be contributed directly to a candidate, which I will talk about in a moment. Um, amounts must be reported um, and sources, but there is, but it's it's a little bit tricky um, because third-party organizations can fund the super PAC, and there are they, and shell corporations can be created specifically to. Um, to fund a super PAC, and that's where it gets complicated and it sounds crazy that somebody would create a corporation to raise money to contribute to a super PAC so that the identity can't be um, traced. I'm gonna pass an example of something that was, um, okay. 
see if you can, if there if you notice any differences be between them. Um, one was sent to my husband and one was sent to me in 2017. Um, we, my husband and I were registered in different parties. And I've blocked out all the identifiers for the candidates involved um, to protect the, um, the innocent. Um, and as you're looking at these things, ask yourself some questions. Um, can you tell what party is represented on either of them? Is there any, if, if one is red, one is blue, is there any different language between the, the two uh, flyers? Who sent the mailing? So for folks that, ha that aren't looking at it yet, it comes from an entity called NJ Corps. And that, they're out of Trenton at, um, I think, 10 Hamilton Parkway. Anybody have an idea of what NJ Corps is? Well, it took a couple of hours of work to find out who they are. And I thought, well, maybe they're, and if you, if you uh, do an internet search, the first things that come up are uh, core curriculum. And so I thought, oh, well, this must be some, the, the teachers, the teachers union. Um, but it is actually the New Jersey, um, Council of Realtors, or it's some real, real estate entity. And the only way of finding that out was by calling Trenton, the um, election, um, election, the New Jersey Election Enforcement Committee. Is that what? Yeah. Um, and you can print webs, uh, you can print documents from their website showing who paid for these things, except. It's a very underfunded agency, and so the information that's on their website is not fact-checked. And there, they, as far as I could tell from the website, there was no expenditure from that group made to those candidates. So even, um, even when we have systems in place, they're not, um, they're not functional. And so you can ask yourself, well, what, why would the, Re the New Jersey Realtors Association be funding a couple of candidates in South Jersey? Um, and that, you know, I can't answer that. When I called the candidate's office, they did not want to discuss who the entity was, but what is, what is the likelihood that they don't know, that those candidates don't know who NJ Corps is? And they're gonna remember them when it comes time to legislate. If you make a phone call or write a letter to your representative, they're not gonna remember you as, um, as much as they are going to remember New Jersey Corps and its issues. Um, so this, Supreme Court decision removed limits on spending, and we can have these um, TV ads, print ads, um, without limit and without transparency. So what can we do about this Supreme Court decision? Um, because of checks and balances in our Constitution, Congress cannot undo a Supreme Court ruling except through constitutional amendment. And this is where your voice as a citizen comes in and is really needed. 
Um, we'll get to that in a little while. There are right now about a dozen different versions of amendments addressing electoral reform and money in politics. Some are in the House, some are in the Senate, and the main purpose of um, American Promise is to get consensus language to bring the different groups working on different amendments um, and try and get consensus language and have one amendment that we can go forward with. Um, most of the amendments either say that campaign spending can be limited or clarify that money is not protected speech. Um, until recently, the version that we liked, our, our local group, Allied for the American Promise, liked, was one that was very clear that corporations are not people entitled to human rights protections and money is not speech. But we've um, acknowledged, uh, are you going to talk about FCNL an hour? Yeah. So, so we recently had, this week actually had a conversation with some folks at FCNL and, and Jean will, will talk about that. And um, although in a, in a simple world, corporations are not people and money is not speech, but in a complicated world with complicated case law, it is not a simple thing, and so um, uh, I will say something about corporations as people um, because it's evolved over time. There is no mention of, cor of corporations in our Constitution because what we know as the modern corporation bears little resemblance to what our founders knew. So they're legal entities uh, created by states or the federal government to facilitate conducting business. They can enter contracts and they serve important social and economic functions. Historically, they were chartered for a specific purpose, like building a bridge. And um, they were time-limited and goal-specific. But modern corporations face no such restrictions even though, in theory, charters can be revoked, but um, I don't think that's happened in a long time. The United States was settled by a corporation. It was the Massachusetts Bay Company, and that was chartered in 1628 by King Charles I of England, and its purpose was to conquer the New World for England's benefit. The American Revolution was fought as much for economic independence from corporations as for independence from the, the, the crown. And it was the British East India Company's trade monopoly that led to the Boston Tea Party. Most big corporations are chartered, most big corporations in the United States are chartered in Delaware, and many of them are transnational global corporations. They have no allegiance to any country and certainly no allegiance to our republic or to an ideal of representative democracy. Uh, even iconic American brands like the beer that made Milwaukee famous and funky Ben and Jerry's are now owned by transnational corporations. Bud is owned by Anheuser-Busch and Bev and that's a Brazilian-Belgian interest and Ben and Jerry's owned by Unilever and that's an Anglo-Dutch conglomerate. 
Although legal personhood for corporations is a useful tool for conducting business and serving the social good, <clears throat> a corporation has an economic function. Corporations were not designed as political entities. And the, it's, it, it's not just that they're inf interfering with our elections, because since the 2010 Citizens United decision, the biggest growth in spenders is actually um, the super wealthy individuals. Corporations, corporate fi financing did not grow as much. However, corporations are still sending legislation to our Congress, still lobbying um, at levels that are growing and growing. Should entities that the courts have determined have no greater responsibility than making money for shareholders be able to play a major role in our political system? That is the question. Um, our democracy is for people, and our Bill of Rights was created to protect human rights, the rights of natural persons. It defies reasons to grant corporations human rights, and the Supreme Court made a grave mistake that demands a 28th Amendment to restore our republic to we the people. Thank you. And now Penny will talk to you. Good morning. The de Medici family that controlled money in Italy for generations had a motto, money to get power, power to protect money. And this, sum, this sums up one of the most basic aspects of human nature, which is the urge to accumulate wealth and power. The founders of our country understood this, and they put uh, controls in place, the system of checks and balances, so that individuals could not accumulate uh, too much wealth and power so that they would influence the government. But they did not, at that point, take into consideration the wealth and power of corporations. They couldn't look a 100 or 200 years into the future and, protect, and uh, predict the growth of huge multinational corporations seeking wealth at an exponential rate. As uh, Shoshana said, we want to be clear that corporations are not bad. They serve a purpose in society, but they shouldn't be controlling the government. Uh, over the years since uh, the founding of the country, our government has responded to this threat and they've passed a series of laws that uh, curtailed the dominance of the robber barons in the late 19th century in the Gilded Age. But the huge corporations didn't give up. They went underground in their drive for uh, dominance. For a little, I think it, it developed gradually, but there was a kind of a watershed moment in 1971. Uh, Lewis Powell, who, from all reports, was a, a very uh, respectable and gentlemanly uh, lawyer, 
when he was about to be appointed to the Supreme Court, just before he was appointed, he wrote a memo to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. It was called Attack on the American Free Enterprise System, and this was a call to arms. He called for the chamber and corporations to organize a sustained campaign to achieve political power and to shape social, economic, and political change to the advantage of cor corporations. A quote from his memo says, strength lies in organization, in careful, long-range planning and implementation. This uh, strategy worked as corporations bent more and more laws to their advantage. And finally, in the Citizens United decision, they succeeded in blasting a hole in the protections that had put it, been put in place to control the government by the people. Uh, I'm going to review a little bit the, the uh, PACs and super PACs that uh, Shoshana talked about because it, it, it is complicated. It's taken us a while to get everything sorted out in our minds. Political action committees they can collect campaign, they can collect money for a campaign or an issue, and they are <clears throat> businesses, unions, etc. They cannot use their treasury funds. They have to register with the Federal Elections Commission, and there are limits to the amounts that can be donated. They, the first uh, political action committee uh, came into being in 1943, and it was a CIO, as an AFL-CIO PAC. Super PACs came into existence after the Citizens United decision. They are independent expenditure groups. They can use union or corporate money or corporate treasury funds and there are no limits on the amounts that can be donated. They cannot contribute directly to a candidate or a campaign, but they can work in, in concert, supposedly without communication, but who knows. They do have to register with the Federal Elections Commission and report contributions. Super PAC contributors made up in the I think it was the 2016 election, perhaps. They made up only 4% of all contributors, but they gave 80% of total money raised in the, in the campaign. Then there's a third entity, which is called dark money, which is campaign spending by social welfare or trade associations that have tax-exempt status. They can accept unlimited money from any source and don't have to reveal donors, though they cannot contribute directly to candidates. Uh, these issues are not about Democrats versus Republicans or left versus right. It's about the people of the United States versus the power and the wealth of the modern equivalent of the de Medici's. The corporations have used their money to get the power to change government policy, and government policy has become the power to protect their, the corporation's path to accumulate more and more wealth 
at the expense of the wealth and well-being of individual uh, poor and middle-class citizens. The gun manufacturers control gun policy with their money funneled through the NRA, despite the desire of the vast majority of U.S. citizens for increased gun control legislation. For-profit corporations influence government to keep prisons, prison populations high and growing, despite the cost to individuals and the literal, literal cost to taxpayers. I remember that um, the day after Trump was elected, the uh, shares of uh, for-profit prisons skyrocketed. Fossil fuel producers push against rec uh, recognition of climate change and the dire consequences it's already producing so that their products won't be regulated. And now it appears that uh, social media corporations such as Facebook control efforts to increase online privacy despite the potential damage to individuals. Corporations by their nature care about growing and protecting their own wealth and power, whether it harms or helps the common good in U.S. citizens. And we're not just talking about U.S. corporations. American divisions of foreign corporations can jump right into the game. Uh, Shoshana talked about some uh, foreign-based corporations Others include um, Greyhound Lines, Westinghouse Electric, Shell Oil, and even 7-Eleven. Almost 200 foreign-controlled companies formed political action committees before the 2016 election. Uh, we have to take back control of our government from the wealth and power of these corporations so that we are making the decisions, whether conservative or progressive, Republican or Democrat, or for better or for worse, but at least this should be our decisions. Thank you. Uh, just two days ago, <clears throat> on the front page of the New York Times, came the information, I cut out part of it, had it on here, but you can't see it, you'll just have to get up later and look. But these are the latest of huge donors, I mean, huge spenders. These are uh, Liz and Dick Uline, and they have already, in this election cycle, contributed $26 million through PACs to influence elections. They're far, far right wing. They support broad access to assault weapons, and um, very much against transgender rights, and the list goes on. Uh, they supported Ray Moore uh, even after he was found guilty of uh, molesting teenage girls. And it goes on and on. Enormous power through their money that's spent not only in elections, but also in the town where um, they live uh, to, in, in essence, get things that, that they want. Um, I do want to remind you that this was a five to four decision and read you just a little bit 
from the descent of John Paul Stevens. Now, he was a, is a decorated World War II hero, a Republican, a successful corporate lawyer, and he was appointed by um, Gerald Ford in 1975 to the United States Supreme Court. He thinks this is an absolutely horrible decision. And as so does uh, John McCain, of course. John McCain's comment was, what the Supreme Court did is a combination of arrogance, stupidity, and naivety, the likes of which I have never seen. That's John McCain. Now, this is part of the dissent by John Paul Stevens. The framers of our Constitution took it as a given that corporations could be comprehensively regulated in the service of the public welfare. Unlike our colleagues on the Supreme Court, they had little trouble distinguishing corporations from human beings. And when they constitutionalized the right to free speech in the First Amendment, it was the free speech of individuals they had in mind. At bottom, the court's opinion is thus a rejection of the common sense of the American people who have recognized a need to prevent corporations from undermining self-government since the founding and who have fought against the distinctive corrupting potential of corporate electioneering since the days of uh, Teddy Roosevelt. It is a strange time to repudiate that common sense. So now we are down to what can we do? Okay. We have, and I please take these brochures even more if you can distribute them. Um, they have some really excellent in information in them. They're historically based, they cover in a much shorter <laughs> degree what we've talked about today. Um, and that is to contact your legislators, um, ask candidates to sign the American Promise Pledge, which Shoshana has, write letters to the editor, sign the American Promise Citizen uh, Pledge. You can join our local group or American Promise on the national level, and the websites are in your brochure. Spread the word, write or call Friends Committee for National Legislation. And our meeting did that. And they're replying to Salem Quarterly. Sorry about that, you guys. I mean, I guess because we are part of Salem Quarterly, you're involved in this whether you want to be or not. And this is a letter that was written. Dear friends, I'm writing to you as Greenwich Friends Meeting's designated liaison to FCNL. Greenwich Friends Meeting is located in Greenwich, New Jersey, and we are part of Salem Quarter in Philadelphia Yearly Meeting. At our recent business meeting, 2418, we discussed the legislative priorities for the 115th Congress, along with American Promise, a national organization dedicated to over uh, throwing the United States Supreme Court decision, Citizen United versus Federal Election Commission. That decision has resulted in an enormous amount of money being spent by big money, corporations, unions, special interests to influence our elections. The goal is passage of a 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which would restore democracy by assuring that rights protected in the Constitution 
are those of human beings only and that governments can regulate political spending. You know, if nothing else happens, if only we can restore the right of governments to regulate campaign spending, it would be something. And perhaps something all people can agree to on the congressional level. Six members of our very small meeting belong to Allied for the American Promise, a local affiliate of American Promise. In that context, we determined that almost all the legislative priorities, and that's Friends Committee's priorities, are impacted by the Supreme Court decision. We have singled out, promote equitable access for all citizens to, to participate in the political process as a priority that we could allow FCNL to promote the constitutional change that is desperately needed. Enclosed is our brochure. You can, uh, you'll note the website, and I give that. It's a grassroots organization encompassing people and groups across the political spectrum. We will be making a presentation uh -huh, to our upcoming Salem quarterly meeting, which is you guys. New Jersey is one of 19 states that have passed resolutions calling on Congress to propose this amendment. We feel strongly that FCNL should lobby Congress to get two-thirds of the members needed to propose it, and with states increasingly in pressuring Congress, the three-fourths number needed to ratify it can be assured. And, and then it was signed. Um, we did get a response. And um, FCNL has some reservations. Their concerns are um, that if we don't have personhood for corporations and allowing them constitutionally protected speech, it may prevent them and all other organizations from speaking in a political context. Um, we are working uh, to get the two groups, FCNL and the American Promise, together to try and iron out these um, differences. So that's where we are. I hope that you will spread the word. Please take our brochure. This book, um, Corporations Are Not People, is written, uh, has a wonderful foreword by Bill Moyers, written by Jeff Clements, who founded American Promise. And this book, uh, written by Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, he's a Democratic um, senator from Rhode Island, and he writes it from his personal experience. He says it's really gross. Apparently, a legislature spend between four and five hours a day raising money. And uh, of course, that's, is that what we're paying them for? I don't know. Anyway, I would also appreciate it if you would um, give us some feedback. So that is it. Thank you for listening to Clearly Quaker. We hope you have found this podcast thought-provoking. If you have questions or comments or would like to learn more about South Jersey Quakers, reach us at salemquarter.net.